0: When we get in the car to go, we can talk about work. And when we come home in the car, we can talk about work. But when you walk in the door, work talks off. And if you have an idea that you need to share, then you can either send an email or you can set up a meeting the next week. Um, Wait,
1: so are you just sitting like you could be watching TV and you get an email from your husband? (laughs) Yes. So you're like, like. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived
2: it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team, to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch,
1: so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch?
2: So, please welcome Amber Venn's box to our couch. Amber was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, and she has always been interested in fashion and design. After college, Amber realized that people were visiting her blog and buying products she recommended, but they were buying them independently. And so she was getting cut out of the commission by accident. So, in 2011, she started Reward Style with her then boyfriend, now husband. Baxter Box. We have a lot of questions about that dynamic. Uh, But first, you should know about their business. RewardStyle connects brands and influencers and allows both parties to benefit from sales, which, by the way, there are a lot of. In 2017, RewardStyle drove over $1 billion in sales. In 2017 as well, Amber and her husband launched their app, Like to Know It, and it attracted a million users and our attention for (laughs) so many hours a day, all within just nine months, and they're still growing. Amber, welcome to the couch. Thank you, guys. Really an honor to be here with you. Skim your resume for us. Yes. Well, I've always loved
0: fashion, always wanted to be in the industry, just didn't really actually care where I ended up. So I tried a lot of different things. Um, I, you know, from a young age, both my grandmothers were seamstresses, and so they taught me how to sew dresses. And so I went down that path for a little bit, launched a jewelry line. I, I, uh, drove out to LA to be a fashion stylist and then came here to New York and worked wholesale um, and then ended up as a shop girl, retail buyer, and then ultimately personal shopper. And so with my personal shopping, as you mentioned, I would bring you know wardrobe to my clients into their homes and whatever they kept, I got a commission on that sale. And so I started a website in 2010 thinking that... This was going to be a place where um, I could market my business and show other people what personal shoppers were, what my point of view was. And really, um, you know, the Dallas Morning News did this full page article and it said, Meet the blogger. And that's when I found out that I was a blogger and there's a community of these people. Um, and it also said that I would be offering my services for free. And honestly, I really didn't care what the article said because it was a full page, and my parents saw it, and the community saw it, and I was just really proud to have gotten that moment. But about six months later, um, the clients who used to call me, you know, very regularly that I depended on to, you know, provide for myself. Um, just were they had completely migrated to my blog so these are people who really were um time poor and but were you know very um open to the advice that i was giving them and so they were able to now after their husbands went to bed the kids went to sleep they have a glass of wine with their girlfriends they can go on the blog or check the newsletter and purchase the things that i was suggesting and um save themselves the the time of you know booking with me So, my boyfriend at the time, as you mentioned, um, Baxter. His background is in technology. Also, great name. Oh, fantastic name, Baxter Box. It's like, of course, you know, our kids had to follow along. Birdie Box, Boyce Box. I know, I I love your names. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a requirement of childbearing in the Box family. You have to, you know, agree to the B names, Um, but. Yeah. So, so Baxter really helped me. And, and this was actually not our first time um, really entering into an entrepreneurial endeavor together. And so when we had first met, I had my jewelry line and he, you know, actually he was in, getting his MBA at the time. He looked over my shoulder when we'd first started dating and saw me sitting on the couch with my spreadsheet, um, kind of self-taught management <laughs> process. Um, and he was like, that's, you know, that looks like a lot of money. Like, what what is it that you're adding up? there and i explained to him i had this jewelry line and that um you know this is how i managed it and that um, i actually made twice as much as i made my full-time job through the jewelry line and it was this great business and he was like where is that money like who's managing that for you and i was like oh i have fantastic shoes and handbags and i look <laughs> great all the time because in my mind that was my play money um and my salary was like the you know the real money that I was supposed to be doing something with, and he was like, you know what? Let me, I can help you actually migrate out of your job. Like, let's launch e-commerce. I can help you like really, really professionalize this and think about it properly. And so we did the jewelry line together, um, and then he helped me to launch the the website, which you know turned blog, and then that really quickly rolled into reward stock because I needed a way to support myself. So. We walked down the street from um, his apartment one day with his dog and he was like, tell me more about this blogging thing. Like, how do you want to make money doing it? You know, And I think the question, the way he posed the question was, you know, like rainbows, unicorns, everything on the table, no limits, like how do you make money? And you know, my my background was retail and I was like, I just want to make the same commission I always made. I was happy with that arrangement, but um, it's just all moved online. So at that point we decided to launch reward style, um, wrote the name on a napkin, went to domain.com and purchased it and started building.
2: Wow. So that is a great resume. Uh, Thank you for skimming it. But please tell us one thing that we can't find out about you from looking at your LinkedIn profile.
0: Um, I think that I'm secretly an introvert and, uh, you know, I have-
2: Welcome to our club. (laughs) Yeah. We have, in doing this show, it's been amazing how many women leaders that we talk to are secret introverts.
0: You know, I think it's you you get in your own head and you spend a lot of time by yourself. And, you know, I I blame my parents for this because early days, they actually, we didn't have a TV in the home for like so much of my childhood. And so you were forced to entertain yourself. And I was really happy doing that and a a creative child. And, um, you know, I think found my confidence from within. And so I just, you know, I think it lends itself to entrepreneurship in so many ways. You spend a lot of time with yourself. You have a lot of time to really flesh out those ideas.
1: So to the uninformed uh, who are definitely missing out explain what reward style is and what like to know it actually is
0: yes um, so reward style is, is really a technology platform that powers the entire like back office of a content creators business so content creators might be putting um, you know their creations on a blog or Instagram or YouTube or any any real digital channel um, and we bring them the business relationships we growth consulting, um, the technology that they're actually using to publish so that the, you know when you see their content, um, how are you able to engage with it and then shop from it. Um, and then we also help them grow their consumer audience. So we do everything um, for them, or we hope to do everything for them except for create the content. That's the really kind of their core competency. And so we're running the back office. And we do that today for about 35,000 influencers worldwide. Um, and then like to know it as a consumer property. and. It is an app that launched in um, you know spring of 2017. I feel
2: like I've had it my whole life. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't remember shopping on Instagram without it. It's yeah, like, yeah.
0: And there's this t- actually this whole evolution. Um, so we launched Reward Style in 2011, and and the whole idea was how are you know me and my new blogger friends gonna make money by um, you know blogging, and but things changed really quickly. Of course, you know the next year. All of a sudden pinterest became really popular and it's like oh this is a new dynamic i have this like fashion blog that's a desktop blog and now i can use pinterest to drive traffic to my site and then the following year facebook bought instagram and all of a sudden we have this app store loaded on our phones when we buy them and um you know a camera that's getting like a little bit better to where you can start creating content and things moved mobile very very quickly and so you know i wanted to create more content instagram because it was really highly rewarding. I could actually create the content really quickly and grow an audience there and have this really rich engagement that I was missing on the blog. Like on the blog, I felt like every single time someone came to my my site, like I had to really fight and scratch for every, you know, bit of traffic and on instagram it felt like it was just a whole lot easier like everything about it was easier and so we looked to you know create a solution of like how can we help our clients extend their business into instagram how can we continue to provide that value for customers who really want to shop from influencers and for brands that need to extend their business into this new mobile world so like to know it initially launched as an Instagram product and as a consumer you could register for this service and whenever you liked Instagram so it was actually like embedded into Instagram it would trigger an email to your inbox. Um, all of a sudden then Snapchat became big and you know we have our, uh, quite a global team um, and, and consumer base and our influencers in over 100 countries. You look to China, for example, and WeChat and Weibo are you know very closed environments. And so, what we saw was a future that was inc- increasingly mobile and increasingly um, you know lived inside of these walled gardens. And so, we needed to expand like to know it to really elevate out of any specific social platform um, and move into the handset so that if you want to discover on Google or Pinterest or WeChat or wherever you were that you could do that and shop it really quickly so that's how we initially launched the app we acquired a team here in New York that had this great technology the screenshot technology we matched against our library of almost three million um, pieces of original content and were able to serve up whenever you took a screenshot of this content you know the um they're kind of ready to shop information but the app has really evolved just in the year and a half that it um, has been live so we um you know it's now actually it really does Discovery platform of its own, and today, yes it, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. I'll say today, it's it is a shopping app. So people go to the app to shop. They can search for products there, and then get results 100% shoppable in the context of real influential people's lives.
1: So I want to switch gears. We get asked all the time, "What's it like to have a business as friends?" You have a much more complicated situation <laughs> than we do. One of the things that really struck us about your background is that you started your business with your then boyfriend, now husband, Baxter. Obviously, it worked out because he's not your husband, but we're sure that it's an interesting dynamic. Sometimes, when did you have the Tell first us about it? Yeah, t- t- <laughs> go on. Yeah, but when did you have the first realization of like, oh, this is going to be tricky?
0: <laughs> really early days. Um, so we 2011 launched Reward Style in June. So in the spring, we launched it. Um, in June. Baxter said, "We need to get an office and hire somebody." And I was like, "Well, I still live at my dad's house, and we're not paying me. So how's that going to work?" And so, you know, he was really the one who was like, "This is a real opportunity, and it's it's beyond you, Amber. This is actually like a whole community." Um, And being, you know, that introvert, I didn't have many blogger friends. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. Thank you for doing (laughs) that research for me." Um, So, you know, we moved into this office and. You know, I was very passionate. This was not my first entrepreneurial endeavor. And with other things, I'd worked around the clock. And with this thing, I did too. And, and this one was actually, in fact, even more rewarding um, because of the different types of people that I was getting to engage with on the retail side and the influencer side. Um, but by the end of that year, I just remember being in tears. And I was like, this is a fantastic opportunity. And I do love it. And I feel the traction that we're getting. But I can also see very clearly that this relationship will likely end, Um, and I really just wanted a boyfriend. I didn't want a business. (laughs) Like I was, I was doing fine. I had great shoes. We were having fun. We went to Mavericks games, Um, and so and I actually I vocalized that, and I was like, "Look, I I actually care much more about our relationship than I care about this business, and I we need to kind of sort that out." And um, he just continued to to give me, I guess, enough of what I needed to drag me along, you know, kind (laughs) of like (laughs) through it to the next stage. And every stage, I. Becomes like more and more addicting and more and more exciting. Um, but at the same time, our, our relationship did really. I think, plateau for for quite a while. And, um, you know, I don't know if I'd say we shelved it, but it was not something that was like a really vibrant part of my life for a long time. Um, We kind of threw out while we were growing the business, we were very much together, but um, it was much more in a teamwork, we're in the trenches together dynamic than like a Julia Roberts, you know, love story, I would say. Um, So just now I would say seven, I guess it's been seven and a half years now since we launched the business. And just now are we kind of like getting on the other side of that Um, and kind of like, you know, refocusing on our relationship.
2: And what's been your strategy for managing that relationship and preserving the time that you guys do have outside of the office?
0: So it's been um, really formulaic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So really, it's, um, it's about setting boundaries. I think anytime you work with a partner and you know, romantically, that sounds so odd to like, okay, at certain times we do this, or but you know, we we set a rule for ourselves where you know, we, we actually we drive to work together and we drive home from work together. And so, when we get in the car to go, we can talk about work, and when we come home in the car, we can talk about work. But when you walk in the door, work talks off. And if you have an idea that you need to share, then you can either send an email or you can set up a meeting the next week. Um, wait,
1: so are you just sitting like you could be watching TV and you get an email from your husband? Or not? <laughs> yes, so you're like, sat, like, <laughs> like yes. will you? Have like a work fight like via email <laughs> while you're interacting normally. You know
0: what? It, it's so funny that you say that. Um, you know, there's times where Baxter will look up and he's like, "Why did you send them that? Now, <laughs> you, now you're sending them down a rabbit hole." And you know, I, I'll have sent something to the to the team, but you know, things are like constantly in yeah. your mind, and you can't even help it. It's like addicting you. You want to sh- watch a show, or you're reading your book, or you know. um Doing things that shouldn't be work related that like give you this idea for work and so it's like you have to send it out into the world. I think I've 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 reined it back in with how much I include the team in those things. I have my notes of my phone are like a really, really heavy place. <laughs> so I put it there first and then wait for the work day to send it out to the team. But 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 yeah, there's a lot going on. And I've really tried now with three children, honestly it's like impossible to, to do a lot of those things. And so um, you know, the phone is is shelved.
2: When people ask you, what should I look for in a business partner, what do you say?
0: The yin to your yang. Totally. Um, it just really helps you stay in your lane. And and Baxter, you know, he was in business school at the time. His background was all, um, and you know, in engineering and R and D. But he was, had been working at a hedge fund, and he honestly had every life experience that I didn't, and and vice versa. And so that has become really handy because we look to each other truly, kind of, for advice um, across lane. But I very much trust him to do what he does on in the business, and um, he and he largely trusts me.
1: <laughs> Is there a business decision that you really disagreed with?
0: You know, I think there's things more that that he really pushed me on that I didn't know if we were were ready for them yet. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I can think of time you know, open opening the office that was a big one. Um, where I was like, I really just want to be able to eat out again. Like, can we do that first? Um, meaning, like, being able to pay myself so I'm not eating cereal at home um you know other things like you know the, this kind of like call for education within our industry and really professionalizing it and we had started you know building content and sharing that with our communities because you know it was it was a brand new industry um and we were all just learning about each other and kind of what worked and what didn't and he was actually the one who suggested he's like we should have a conference and i was like yeah we should we should plan that and he was like yeah in like three months and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> who's going to do that? And honestly, before going at like, we, we threw the conference. It actually was fantastic and is now one of kind of our, like, you know, flagship events. But the very first time before I went on stage, I remember sitting... Backstage, my mother was there, um, and I was just like having a panic attack. So I was like, "I'm about to go on, and this is either going to go really well or really poorly." And I think it could either end our business, or it could it could be the beginning of just this kind of you know great steep peak that we're climbing. And luckily, um, it it was a positive experience for everyone, and, and really community building. We all learned a lot. But um, you know, I he he definitely is the one in the relationship that um, that pushes me, and um, you know, I think. I, I am a warrior and, and I'm someone who definitely receives that well, but that's part of our relationship dynamic of kind of like how we work. We're very, someone described it the other day as like, we're, we're very rubber band and, I, or I like to say that like, we sort of orbit around each other. Like we are constantly the, at the polars of each other. And so um, I think that's good, constantly challenging each
1: other.
2: Let's take a quick break to talk about what I'm wearing.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: I am wearing Third Love because my biggest pet peeve when it comes to bras is when the straps fall down on me.
1: That's a lot of information about you I never knew and didn't think I wanted to know,
2: but good to know. That's true. And you, too, can not share (laughs) that information or not have to by working with Third Love, a company that makes bras that finally fit right. We actually are very big fans of Third Love. They have tagless labels. We hate tags.
1: They have straps that don't slip, as Danielle mentioned and super soft fabrics.
2: Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to
1: thirdlove.com/skim now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com/skim for 15% off today. So Switching gears a little bit. You started this, as you said, in 2011. Uh, You got a lot of no's from major retailers in the beginning, and eventually you got Shopbop to join the platform. Now you have more than 4,500 retailers um, on board, which is incredible. Uh, So we want to talk a little bit about how you build the business from networking. Um, Take us back to those early days how did you get retailers to to take meetings with you and to take you seriously? You you're a brand new blogger in Texas. Yes.
0: <laughs> How did you do this? No, and and it, candidly, it was super tough. Like I went back to my relationships in Dallas. I had had this personal shopping relationship where this business dynamic already existed. Only I'd have to actually go in the store and remind them, "Hey, I sold that sweater to so and so. You owe me thirty dollars." Um, and I would sit there. while the owner went back and like wrote the check, and it was this really manual process. And and those, you know, those teams, if they did have online, they were leery of online, they didn't want to really grow their online. Or if what you got to the, like the larger people, um, like the multi-brand, you know, department stores, it's totally separate teams. Um, and so, you know, I say that I I threw my body at cars trying to get in the door at these places because um, it was still very early days for like a LinkedIn. Like that wasn't really necessarily a place that you would go to like track somebody down. So I actually, a lot of my friends from college, I'd be like, do you know anybody from net <laughs> Like, does your cousin's sister's uncle's sister roommate like happen to know someone who works there and can we track them down that way? And so um, I literally spent years traveling and just calling and emailing and getting any contact at any of these places that I could. Um, I would say it some things changed. LinkedIn has really, you know, helped that.
1: What would you say when you asked for a meeting?
0: Um, so I would tell them that we were basically personal shopping online and that we, you know, were a group of bloggers at the time was the name and we were a group of bloggers and we wanted to create content about their products for free. But if it converted into a sale, would they be willing to pay us? Like, essentially incentivize us to talk about them versus one of their peers? Um, and I mean, it was it was a great model in that, you know they only paid whenever something actually did convert and it was a model that was that was typical to retail space the, the part that was scary for these people and where I think where they thought that their job was on the line is you know I, I was only able to get into entry level anybody um, and so we had to completely de-risk to where like hey if this doesn't work you actually don't pay anything and no one will even know that this happened um, but what was scary for them was this was still a time where major media platforms were who marketing companies were, or marketing departments were looking towards and so you know a lot of the feedback that I got was like look we work with celebrities we work with the major magazines, you know, I think somebody once said, like, hey, look, if my boss found out that the girl, you know, that's taking pictures of herself in the mirror is someone that we're paying to market our products, like, I lose my job. Um, And you can understand that. And definitely at the time, like... you know, society society largely didn't know that they were ready for it. We had already started looking what I call like left and right at our peer groups. I know for me, it started in two thousand five. I got on Facebook, went to college, and you would upload your entire you know literal digital camera the morning after whatever you went and did. And if you weren't at you know the the cool bar that night before, and you didn't prove it by posting your pictures online, like who are you? Um, and so we kind of had started looking to our peers to see what was cool and and um, being influenced by them at that age. But no one was talking about it. Um, and and certainly not marketers, but I really think around 2015 is when when that started to change, and we started to see inbound from retailers. But um, no doubt, I, I you know spent at least four years of our business just trying to convince people you, that they should work with bloggers. Do
2: you feel like your pitch changed, or your network changed, or was it really about having society and the social networks take hold in a bigger way?
0: Um, there were a lot of tailwinds to to the business um, and definitely kind of a tipping point of when things changed. Um, a blogger went from kind of this, you know, from being a pejorative term to kind of at some point people can't. Ignore your performance, and so no matter if they like you or not, or they like what's happening or not, society was changing. Um, marketers always, you know, they want the same things. They just, just the tools have changed. They still want to sell a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, they just today have to do that through influencers because that's where we as consumers are spending our time is consuming peer content within closed mobile social channels.
2: Um, when you were going into those networking meetings in the beginning, did you go in with a goal? every single time. I think for our audience, they really want to know the basics of networking. And it's also really daunting when you aren't necessarily an extrovert.
0: So something I'd say about networking is um, that there's a lot of like different approaches to it. And it's something that I've seen um, even from a younger group of um, applicants, I would say, is you know i think our, our parents generation networking like in the truest sense like actually worked like if you went to school with someone whose dad was the ceo of x like that actually meant that you would get the job and there's still largely that mentality among our, our parents generation that oh well like i know him or i go to church with him or synagogue or i like i somehow i'm involved in this person's life they're my neighbor so i should be able to get that job um and i think cha- things have completely changed there and that actually means nothing anymore um and so And then even you see um the kind of thought of like okay i'm going to spend i'm going to go to these events or i'm going to spend time like quote networking as we as like millennials maybe think about it um but what i'd say is everyone is is very success driven and they're they're climbing a ladder and and where they're trying to get is between them and the person above them and so when when you have their like less to offer perceived as having less to offer um you know, just because you know that person or have their email address does not mean they're responding or that they respect you. And so, what I found was that we really had to prove ourselves um, in the market first. And I would say consumers were actually the first ones to believe in us. And so, but by the fact that consumers were voting with their wallets, it's it told the larger marketing community this is actually the way that they wanna receive information. And so at some point, then they have to kind of respond and and think about that more thoughtfully. Um, And as hard as I tried, whether it was partnerships with people in the industry, going to the Fashion Week events, spending time at the luxury houses, like I kind of thought that that was how I was gonna change the industry. And what I found was that um, that group of people was still largely uninterested in what I was offering. Um, and so it was actually consumers who who really tipped the scales when it came to how what was going to change and and how were we going to get respect as um, a new as a new industry. And it was basically being too important to ignore.
2: Let's take a quick break. Carly, yes, if you had a crystal ball, what would you do? I would ask it, when will I stop being cold? Okay, but That's never. (laughs) So we try again.
1: Well, I've always wanted to know... What's going to happen with the stock market? As
2: do I. (laughs) But one thing we've learned about the stock market is that you can't predict the future. We also legally can't tell you what to do. Um, But hopefully you found the right market opportunity to help you get the best outcome. And one place that can help you with that is Swell. It's an impact investing platform that builds portfolios of stocks from high growth companies working towards progress. With Swell, you get to choose
1: how every dollar is invested and where you want your money to actually have impact. Think about things like renewable energy, disease eradication, or even clean water. They look at thousands of companies whose business models are focused on positive impact. So visit swellinvesting.com/skim to start investing with your values in mind. You can do it today for a $50 bonus when you open an account. And again, that is swellinvesting.com/skim to start investing in progress. So we're gonna switch to the lightning round. I feel like we need like theme music for lightning round. I was just
2: thinking Please. that we need some good storm yeah. sounds. Let's yeah. cue that for next time. Let's get some storms. Okay, so uh, we're gonna ask you a series of questions, and you answer as fast as you can. Like one sentence. Guys, okay. Ready? All right. What did you think you were gonna be when you grew up?
0: A fashion designer.
1: College major.
0: CCPA, corporate communications, public affairs, and then I loved sociology. That was my minor. Still love sociology. First job. Shop girl.
2: Worst what? job. Also shop girl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Worst professional mistake you've ever made. Um
0: mm, I hate to say speaking freely, but I think maybe maybe um assuming the relationship was further down the line than it was.
2: First call when you get good news. Probably Baxter. First call when you get bad news. <laughs> My mom <laughs> <laughs> when's
1: the last time you negotiated for yourself?
0: Oh, regularly. yeah,
2: go to interview question.
0: What would you hope that I know about you and and what would your boss say about you? Which I can still be honest or not, but I think it's interesting to watch people think about like what their what their boss would have had to say about them. Mm-hmm.
1: What's your biggest motivator now?
0: I think really family, as weird of of an answer as that might be, because this does pull me away from them a lot of the time. But um, I want to show our children just sort of like work ethic and how that can build towards something. And I also want to show them then Balance in that because I've definitely gone, you know. I remember (laughs) I've tipped the scales in that. I guess I'd say you know, from from sleeping in the office um, to just traveling majority of the year, not being home. um, To then I remember someone interviewing and they were like, "What's work-life balance like here at Wordstown?" This was many years ago, but at the time we were like, "Because you asked that question, you're not a fit." (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know I would never say that today I very much value work-life balance and value it for um, our team and I I, and I now know in my maturity um, that that actually makes for more valuable team members but um, I I want to be able to kind of show our kids you know how to how to frame their success in, in work and in life
1: what is your shameless plug for our listeners
0: You have to download the Like to Know It app. So when you download the Like to Know It app now, you can actually search for products, uh, whether you want like skinny jeans or Stuart Weitzman highline boots or like a specific product, a generic product, and you actually get all the results returned um, in the context of real influential people's lives who use those products.
1: And what's the last thing you bought through Like to Know It?
0: Oh, so this great, um, I'm wearing it today actually, so this mango... Um, what would you call this? It's sort of a fanny pack. Oh, it's I think cooler. you
2: called it a purse belt.
0: Yes, purse belt.
2: It's, <laughs> it's much cooler <laughs> the than the official I mean, term. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is a bit cooler than And it kind of looks like a little like croc thing, but it was $25. And I found it on one of our new influencers from London when I was actually searching for another product and came across her and fell in love. But I honestly I find things daily now.
2: Amber, thank you so much. Great catching up with you. Oh,
0: thank you guys. Thank you. Congratulations. Very much.
2: Thank you, you too. <laughs> Thanks for listening,
1: and if you are hungry for more, we have got a wreck for you. Here is a podcast we have been listening to nonstop. It's called Unladylike, and it's about gender rules and the people who break them.
2: The hosts are podcast vets, Kristen Conjure and Caroline Irvin, and their podcast is all about exposing the rules and expectations society place on women. Every episode is steeped in history, research, and real women's stories. They just kicked
1: off season four with a series on detoxing from the constant diet culture, and it is really worth a listen. Listen to Unladylike now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to us back here next week.